everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Game Grooves Uncovered Podcast. I'm your host, Ro Panaganti, and today we have a very exciting guest, uh, a friend of mine for a while, and especially a veteran of many video game soundtracks and uh, wonderful arranged covers. Uh, you know Patty Rudisil from her work as a violin player and an arranger. Um, her work's been in so many different indie games, uh, major AAA games, films, commercials. You've seen her perform uh, through all sorts of different video game arrangement groups and, of course, uh, put out quite a lot of albums from uh, Legend of Zelda, Super Mario RPG. But, of course, today we're here to especially talk about Final Fantasy VII. She has a double album coming out. Uh, by the time you hear this podcast, we're talking about Voices in the Dark and dear to the heart. So, Patty, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Ro. Uh, really excited to be here. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've had like so many occasions that I thought it would be a, a really great time to kind of like, like talk about, you know, uh, either an album you had produced or just in general, um, some of your experiences. So I'm really excited to sort of like go over everything that I wish I had interviewed you sooner about. <laughs> and then like a little bit about, you know, the new albums, which I, I've gotten to listen to, of course. So they are phenomenal. and. I, oh, I should you. not be as excited for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth as I am because it's going to destroy my, like, <laughs> my entire work schedule for sure. Oh, I was going to say, why wouldn't you want to be excited? Uh, um, I, like, I, I wanted yeah. to replay Remake just to like, build up to it, and I, I don't think I'll have the time now. So listening to this album is your perfect substitute. Uh, yeah, well, that was the idea, to kind of do something in preparation for the game coming out mm-hmm. um when remake came out i wasn't planning to do anything for it because actually i had another album that was coming out not too long prior to that right um so i was already busy with that but then when it came out and i was just like oh i wish i had done something for it sure. <laughs> so maybe next time um yeah so it's been in the back of my mind for a while and then about gosh i want to say january of last year is when I started deciding that this wow. would be like the next big project. Yeah, it's, it was a long time ago now, but um, you know, I had a baby the prior, you know, the year prior to that. It was like finally getting back to working on big projects again and trying to figure out what yeah. I would be really excited to work on. Um, and that was the thing that hit me like something Final Fantasy VII would have been really good to do. Um, right. And then I thought, well, I mean, with Rebirth coming out too, like, would be good timing. So yeah, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> in in a way, it's kind of like the perfect title then. Um, and that's, I mean, that's phenomenal to have. I mean, it's such a powerful game, of course, and it's a fan favorite. And also, uh, this, if I recall, we've chatted before about this might be the longest time you've spent working towards an album. Would that be accurate? If, like. That it this is the um, longest you've taken working on a project? Not exactly, but I was working on this steadily for the past year. Okay. With the exception of maybe a few months I took off when Tears of the Kingdom came out because I kind of went into that for, yeah, because I knew I had to do a lot of that stuff for my channel as well. Um, and I had planned around that. My very first large album that I've done, the album I did with Strings and Harp with uh, Paula Bressman. Yes. That actually was something like four years from start to finish. Oh my gosh. Is that <laughs> yeah. just a communication time? Or? It was a, uh, it was one of those things where I was still really new and I just had this really ambitious idea. And then a lot of things happened and it just kept getting pushed to the back burner. And it was just, you know, one of those things. It, it was a sure. really <laughs> big, ambitious project for me at the time. Uh, to finish and yeah I think I got derailed by like my injury hiatus was during that and all Mm. kinds of other stuff and then it was you know once you're away from a project for a while it can be hard to get back to it Um, so I think I did some other small projects in the meantime and then I finally like came back to finish it Um, so yeah but at least this one was a nice amount of time but I was steadily working on it um and it's nice too because this is actually the first album I've done really where I kind of had a, a plan for it. Oh, <laughs> like it wasn't sure. just an album. I know we've talked about this some where it's like 
it, sure. it's not just an album where it's like, here are a bunch of tracks from a game I like, you know, without right, any right. other thought. Um, I mean, I did do one th- winter themed album, but like besides that, um, not usually for ones I do that are like based on a game because I figured, well, that's enough of a theme. Um, right, right. <laughs> but for this one, I really spent a lot of time trying to think like, what can I do? Like, so it's not just Final Fantasy VII, which people have done for you know eons sure. now like what can i do to make this something special and i did spend a really long time like trying to think of, of a theme or what what i could do with it a lot of time spent in notion databases oh, with sure. tags <laughs> for different tracks like i was like okay these are cutscenes, these are environments these yeah. are things dealing with nibelheim like what can i try to look and see if i could see any patterns that would be nice to do and eventually i kind of settled on this like dark and heart idea right Um, and it actually worked out really well with the tracks that i was considering doing and the kind of themes that i was trying to convey and really like sink into so yeah yeah (laughs) you can definitely feel like it's it's definitely the perfect mix of a labor of love and you know a, a good amount of time but also i can see like a much more distinct kind of um, song selection and instrumentation, uh, which is a really cool thing to see you grow from. Um, if I can mm-hmm. hit the rewind button, because I, I love doing sure. this. Uh, <laughs> when I first found your YouTube channel, um, you were primarily arranging quartets. So yes. what was the evolution from quartets to the kinds of solo arrangements that now so many people you know, know you for, enjoy, and of course, you know, a good amount of this album is actually based on those too. Yeah. So, well, I started off doing, I mean, mostly as a live arranger, first of all, like classical music and stuff mm. like that. Um, so for years and years before I even considered doing YouTube, I was writing string quartets of VGM just for fun, but I never had any friends to play them with me that were interested in it. So I just got this huge stack of music that has never sure. been played, <laughs> except at the oh. occasional like chamber music party. Um, you know, and then eventually I finally got the guts to start a YouTube channel. So, Mm. you know, we read, just read like down 14 charts in two sessions. And that was basically the first, most of the first year of my channel, maybe, um, Mm -hmm. or several months. And the, the thing is, you know, when you're doing stuff like that, it's not like I had an established quartet. Like I wasn't an ensemble, you know, I just had to keep asking my friends to do this with me Mm -hmm. and we're all professional musicians. So scheduling was a nightmare, (laughs) you know, logistically it was really hard. And of course I saw what other people were doing on YouTube and, you know, I wanted to kind of experiment with that too, doing multi-track stuff. And I mean, that opens a whole can of worms in terms of learning production and recording and just Mm -hmm. all this stuff. Um, But in the end, you know, it means I could be really flexible about what I'm able to do, especially once I felt like I finally cracked the code for how to do like a multi-tracked string quartet and have it sound good. Right, right. Because <laughs> I remember when that, when I finally figured out like, okay, I think this can work because um, it's really hard to get it to sound good. Um, yeah, so that really just opened up a lot because I love arranging for a string quartet. It's like mm-hmm. the perfect ensemble, especially for VGM stuff. Like so often it fits perfectly into four voices. Right. And it just instantly takes it to another place, you know? Um, so I really like doing that. But at the same time, I've, yeah, like you said, I've kind of gone in like this whole other direction with this like kind of ethereal, twinkly soundscape, you know, with, uh, you know, like piano and harmonics and random like percussion <laughs> and stuff and right. harp. Um, and I really like experimenting in that world too. Um and that's a neat thing about like a lot of this album too, is that the tracks really lend themselves to that. Um, like a lot of the tracks were songs I wouldn't necessarily have ever done if I hadn't done them for an album. Right. Like I right. wouldn't have done it for a single YouTube video, like anxiety. I probably wouldn't have just chosen to do for a YouTube video. Right. <laughs> um, some of the ones that are a little more ambient, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or uh, on that day five years ago is another one that I've always loved, but it kind yes. of felt like, well, why would I cover this, um, you know, by itself? Um, but, you know, as a whole, it really works together. All of these more ambient tracks, um, 
you know, plus having a percussionist friend now to collab with on some right, of this right. stuff, uh, really opened a lot of things um, as well of ideas that I had. It's definitely something I want to uh, touch on when I dive mm-hmm. more into the album um, because it is really impressive um, to kind of see like how you've gone from you know starting out with you know folks around you to do like those first ones and then seeing you do Gusty Garden Galaxy and start dropping like all these different like Zelda arrangements and so on and then you still collaborated more but now I'm starting to see like you said percussion. Uh, yourself and me, of course, we did like a, that must have been the most out of comfort zone thing <laughs> that will ever sit on the channel now doing like. A- yeah, it was probably the most yeah out there one. I'm trying to think because even. Well, yeah, because I've never done anything like that since then either. Have I? <laughs> Clearly um, it was a good choice. No, but it's, it's no, interesting. It was so fun. Yeah. Like um, just to see that growth. And of course, I have to touch a little bit on. When when do you think you started getting really ambitious? Because your music video identity is something that has really inspired not just <laughs> myself, but it comes up with a lot of people um, who really enjoy, you know, when oh. you get to go outside, when you include fun animal friends by accident, even like little <laughs> cut scenes like The Last of Us cover, of course, um, and... Um, Korok Forest, the first ones that I know come to mind. Well, that has been the biggest surprise to me mm. because enjoying video editing and production is the last thing I thought like I would you enjoy. Would. Um, I mean, even like, pri- like, so prior to having a YouTube channel, like occasionally I took video of my concerts and stuff. I had a dual group that I was performing with for a while mm. and like, I wouldn't even edit the videos for that. And it was literally just like trimming it and putting a title card and then throwing it on YouTube. Um, and I still made like the cellos do it. Cause I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't know how to do it. Um, so yeah, it's wild to me that I went from that to like, Video mm-hmm. editing is kind of like my favorite part of the process a lot of the wow. times. Um, I mean, not, I mean, I enjoy the music too, but like sure. it's one of my favorite parts. Um, so much so that, like, even if I don't know, even if it doesn't make sense to do YouTube sometimes, like it would just be easier if I just put out albums and forgot about all of me- the video stuff. But I really enjoy doing the video stuff. Right. Um, right. I really enjoy the type of creativity I get to have. Especially with like, do, you know, incorporating cosplay or other elements that tied into the original source material. Mm-hmm. Um, I love doing, you know, cinematic B-roll and stuff with candles and other like really setting the mood because um, I think it really enhances, you know, the experience. And yeah. I think I just I really like being able to live in that space. Like I get mm-hmm. to, I really like getting to be Aerith. Or, you know, just, like, pretending that I'm, like, in that world. Um, I really like that a lot. Like, I really enjoyed being Seymour. I was just (laughs) about to say, if you didn't bring it up, (laughs) the the Seymour theme video is phenomenal and chilling. Um, I barely... Well, wait till (laughs) you see what I'm planning for Genova. Ooh. (laughs) Which, that's another standout from this album we're going to have to talk about because mm-hmm. I was when I saw that on the track list I was like Patty what <laughs> like okay okay um yeah I, I'm definitely I've been planning that one already for the video but it's definitely gonna be for Halloween of this year mm-hmm. and it's gonna be kind of like channeling Seymour but so much more because I mean the track has so much more potential you oh know, sure sure with it. but I think I um, think I might have a good guess at which one of these tracks might might be the one you're referring to if it's one of these album tracks, especially. Mm. But well, uh, no, I'm yeah, no, I mean for Genova, but like oh, sure, sure. Trail of Blood is the other one that would be good for that, but I actually already released that one mm. some years ago. There, are, so there's two tracks on this al- on the albums that like one on each that are re-releases, but I did remaster them. Um, and I'm kind of glad I did that because they were both tracks that didn't perform mm-hmm. super well. And I feel like they do better in the context of a full album, you know? Sure. Especially Trail of Blood because I was like, well, I actually want to include it on this one because it mm-hmm. makes sense to put it on there like right before Genova. It, it fits right. the vibe so well. Um, yeah, and I was really glad to get another shot at I think I re-recorded a bunch of the string parts too so that they... 
sounded a lot better. Wow. So that's actually, that leads me to a question I I love asking folks in general. Um, Of, you know, we've, we talked at least a, a good few of my favorites of yours, but is there a music video in particular that you think has like deserves more love or you were hoping might resonate with the audience a little bit more and hasn't quite gotten there yet? Uh, I wish, well, wait, by resonate, do you mean like the way people received it or the way YouTube <laughs> performed? Let's, let's go with for either or, you know, just wish that say, it like, to do. People really enjoyed Seymour, but it didn't, you know, perform mm. very well, which is disappointing to me. But I mean, I get it. It's not it's kind of a deep cut and it's like yeah, I, people generally I, like my more upbeat, happy mm. stuff or exciting stuff, um, which I like too, but a lot of times my personal favorites, yeah, do kind of fly under the radar. Um, Cause I enjoy doing more dark, moody, mm-hmm. artsy things. And you know, those generally don't perform as well, which sure. is like- a disappointment, but that's why I know when I'm going to do that, that it's for me and I try to, you know, keep that right. in mind. So, um, I mean, people, people know you for dear to the heart, but you know, there's also this voices in the dark side <laughs> when you, th- oh, yeah. if you want to look at it that way, it's kind of a reflection of your musicality. Yeah. Well, even with dear, well, even with dear to the heart though, cause those are still mm-hmm. like lyrical, more chill, you know, tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think like the stuff that performs the the best on my channel is stuff like Mulduga or, uh, <laughs> um, you know, like the really upbeat or like kind of like happy tracks. Faster tempo. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It depends. YouTube is so fickle sometimes. Yeah. You never know what's going to do well. <laughs> It's very interesting to me because, of course, like, I, I get it from the rock world that, like, people want fast. They want flash in the rock world often, and most people vocalize that. But then when you play an instrument that may be associated with, like, dramatics, you know, cinematic score even, then why wouldn't everyone want, you know, something more relaxed and chill? So, yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's any, like, yeah. magical answers <laughs> there. Um we should dive into the album because I'm not going to sleep on this. Um, of course, I listen to both sides. I don't know if I have a favorite side quite yet, though I do think Voices in the Dark maybe one. <laughs> so I'm going to start with what order, <laughs> what order should I, uh, or would you recommend a first-time listener? Like they've never heard any of your work, but they've played Final Fantasy VII. What order do you think they should listen to your double album? Uh... I mean, they're meant to, well, I, they're supposed to be standalone, but I guess mm-hmm. I do think of them as like, yeah, two sides, like what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. In my mind, it was always dark and then heart, mm. but I don't know if there was a, a real reason for that, except that maybe like it makes more sense to start with dark and then end in light, you know, just in terms of sure. like, rather than hope going to despair. But <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, like, on each album itself, they kind of form their own arc. Um, something I usually struggle with is like, what track do I start the album with and what track do I end it? But mm. with these two, it, it was like really easy to say, well, seven seconds till the end is going to be one of the last, you know, cause it's like at sure. the end of the game, it really encapsulates like the end. And of course, hollow, you know, for the right. same reason. Um, it's so credit song of sorts. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think dark and then hard, just because I think it makes more sense to go in that order. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they they're definitely can be listened to on their own. That was also the point um, was to do it that way. Since I have to release them separately, also. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. <laughs> now, if there was ever like a vinyl or a CD or something, then someone could just <laughs> flip it and then keep going. That would be you. cool. Yeah. Now, um, I've never I've never had a, a physical release. And I, I debated it for this one, but in the end, it was just so, I mean, it, it would have been huge to do it for this one. For sure. A lot of, of work. If you're listening and you, <laughs> and you certainly want one, then, you know, supporting artists, of course, helps lead to physical releases. Yeah. Now, um, a lot of these arrangements, of course, fans of the original game will definitely know. Um, there's a few that I really associate with the remake and 
I think might be outright from the remake, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, like Midnight Rendezvous. Um, yeah. How do you think like the remake has affected your either interest in covering the game or the actual or way you've arranged? Like, has the remake versions of these songs um, helped or influenced? You think? Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, well, first of all, I love the remake soundtrack, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Of course, there's going to be spots where, like, because I had covered some music from this game prior to that, and then, you know, you hear it, and you're like, oh, man, I wish I had thought of that, or, oh, but I like the way I did this a little differently. Um, usually, I, I mean, I still like it regardless, even mm-hmm. if it takes it in a totally different direction. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, there are definitely spots where either I leaned into the way that the remake did something, or you know, maybe took it in a different direction intentionally because I mm-hmm. didn't want it to sound exactly like the way that it was in remake. Sure. Um, like, for example, in Dear to the Heart, the little coda at the end is from, like, the kind of similar to the remake version. Because uh, I just thought it was such a beautiful ending. Um, and so it's so rare that we get an ending <laughs> in sure. BGM, like a nice way to end something. Um, but I switched it up because it, it was piano in the original and now it's English horn, which gives it a totally different vibe, you know? Yeah. I, I like that. It's, it's still kind of like a balancing act of like the original, but it's very distinctly your approach to it as a result. Um, I also like, you know, the inclusion of Jesse's theme, um, mm-hmm. which you had already covered. And, uh, if I recall, that was another one that you got to cosplay. For YouTube, yes, <laughs> around the time. I did, which is really fun. I, I love that Jesse got so much story inclusion. Um, I didn't play seven as you know, growing up or anything, I played the original seven and then like remake came out right after, and I was just like, all right, next one. Um, or I, I might have gone in the other order, um, but yeah, I, I really like that there's a balance act there. Was there any songs that you steered straight away from? from seven because they may not have fit your vision for like these themes um, or anything that you, you mean tracks I chose not to include. Yeah. Tracks you didn't, didn't include. Yeah. So when I was planning out, when I decided that it was going to be a double album, which this is definitely the largest album I have worked on to this mm-hmm. point. Usually it's much smaller. <laughs> so, I mean, this is going to be really ambitious for me. Of course, I thought, well, I should have plenty of time because Rebirth isn't coming out for a while. Um, but I right. also have a kid now. You know, I didn't have childcare for the first sure. two-thirds of the year. <laughs> like, it wow, was yeah. a lot to juggle. Um, so I wanted to... I gave myself, like, little benchmarks. So, like, if the album is only seven tracks, it will be these seven. If it's only 10 tracks, it'll be these. And then from that point, like, okay, then if I can do more than 10, then it'll be the two albums. Like, I wanted to make, like, a contingency plan in case I couldn't, um, you know, reach the end. Um, And I do have some tracks that I'd done before, either I hadn't released or, Mm -hmm. you know, like in the case with Trail of Blood or Jesse's theme, like, I I would want to re-release those. But, like, one that I've never released for just, I think because I thought, well, I'll save it till the next game comes out and I'll put an album together, mm. was Costa del Sol. Oh, sure. And that one does not fit, like, the vibes of these album <laughs> at all. Yeah. And because I thought, oh, well, yeah, that doesn't go here. It right, really doesn't right. fit. Um, which was unfortunate because I've never released that one just on YouTube. Um, so it would have been nice to include it. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, old me would have put it on anyway because it would have just been a bunch of tracks. But <laughs> right, right. This time I really wanted to keep things, you know, making sure that they would fit. Yeah. Is there anything on the chopping block, or like you were gonna and then just didn't make it, or I I did want to do the main battle theme originally. Uh, Actually, before I decided to fight? do Genova. Hmm? For those who fight. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the classic, like the main one. Um, but I think at some point I realized yeah. I wasn't going to have time. And I and Genova was actually more straightforward mm. and the better track in my mind. So I thought, well, if I have to choose between those two, it would, you know, I'd rather do Genova. So, mm-hmm. um, 
actually, that's that's one I have to talk about specifically with you. <laughs> as Genova is such a popular track for mm-hmm. you know the whole rock cover scene, and just in general, it's such a uh, it's a it's a terrifying creature of a boss <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. origin. So, uh, how did you? approach Genova. And of course, Rahul does a fantastic job with yes. a lot of percussion elements. It's got a little bit of like synth going on as well. It's, it still mm-hmm. sounds like you, but it's like a very interesting step. So how is it arranging that? Yeah. Um, it was both straightforward and difficult <laughs> to <laughs> sure. imagine, but I say straightforward because like, as like compared to those who fight, that has like a lot of moving parts in it, and there's a lot of different versions that I was referencing. And I was like, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? With Genova, if you look at all the parts, like you look at the MIDI track, you know, and on a score, and look at all the moving parts, right? It's actually, you know, it, it's a little clearer. Like, okay, there's this part, and then there's this part, and it's a little less to juggle. The big part is like getting the right vibe and then also the synth elements and other things. But then of course um, was the question of including elements from remake, which I ended up Uh, doing, you know, I ended up adding that little kind of outro or coda, whatever you want to call it from mm -hmm. the remake version. And then, well, do I want to do it twice through? Do I want to include, like it, I agonized a lot over how I was going to do the format for that. Right. And I eventually landed on one time straight through kind of like normal. Mm -hmm. Then the second time there's like an improv solo. Yeah. Instead of, (laughs) yeah. It's a classic like in the pocket way for like metal VGM covers. Just repeat it with the solo. I will say like on this albums are are like an unprecedented amount of kind of improv solos for me. Like where I just, okay, I'll just throw a solo here. Yeah. Why not? That's, it was really awesome to hear. And it has like, it's a soloistic kind of like tempo on top of the, mm-hmm. so you get like a very live energy, um, which is really cool to hear. Yeah. And I, I also like, I like to throw a lot of like subtle quotes around too. Um, I don't know like how many of them will be like obvious to people, yes. but um, <laughs> for all the solos, yeah, I just trying to throw in little things. Well, see, because I'm not good at taking solos, so I'm like, well, I have to throw in things that I know already um, to yeah, decide what to do. It was um, but, the FF6 battle. I think there was like in the solo of Genova, it was like da 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 something like from one of the other battle oh, themes that's, there. That's funny you heard it that way. No, I think I was, there was a da 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 which uh, actually was why. from uh, another FF7 track. But then there was also the Shinra theme. You know, like the ascending uh, scale. Yes. Just, but a lot of it's like little things. And I'm at the point where I've been working at this on this for so long, plus playing Final Fantasy VII and like kind mm. of living and breathing this, where it's like I hear a single thing and I hear how it relates to Final Fantasy right. VII. Right. Like, <laughs> like I was watching this Zelda concert the other day, and every time it started a track with like a, a like a low piano note. I'm just like da 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 da. Like I was just, I was just, I, would, I heard immediately in Final Fantasy VII. I'm just like my I brain is just it's like the, on that, like yeah. the Tetris brain, but for quotes of FF7. Right. So that's why I don't know how much of it will be obvious to other people and how much of it is just my brain on FF7. Sure. But yeah, um, I definitely, and also for the aspect of trying to tie the thematic element to, like hmm. I think it's at the end of. The on that day five years ago, is that the one? There's like a dun da 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 dun dun like right a very small quote at the end. Make a reactor, which yeah, and there's also like a little quote of like set the Sephiroth motive in Forested Temple, just because hmm. like I was just trying to throw in little things because so much of especially well voices in the dark obviously. So much of those tracks reference Sephiroth kind of in the background. Sure. Like when you're thinking about them, like he's always there, um, you know, lurking. So that was kind of something I wanted to to throw in there. It's really cool because, again, like if, if you've played the games, you're more likely to enjoy these like little numbers. But like just musically, it's so cohesive. And maybe that just speaks to Uematsu's like making such a fantastic score. Um, but yeah, it just, it breeds the story of the game just as much as it's arranging music from the game. Um, and tonally, of course, FF7 gets like super dark, 
um, you know, and Trail of Blood on that day five years ago, even Chasing the Man in Black remind me of like the the big story moments that happen in the game that I am so carefully trying to like talk around for this podcast. But um, no. <laughs> I, I will say at this point in the podcast, if you don't want to be spoiled about virtually anything else in Final Fantasy VII or Remake or Rebirth, you might want to like fast forward to the last two minutes of this, maybe, just so that we can have. Any- I guess I should have asked, yeah, how much we're spoiler tagging this. I'm gonna spoiler um, tag this a little for FF7 right now. Um, it's a. Yeah. I was gonna say it's a 20 year old game, but that's. Oh yeah. crap! That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a 25 year old game. You have every chance to play it. I don't want to be the one to spoil uh, anything, and I'm impressed that I haven't even said the thing. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hero, you've been warned. Um, but yeah, I think it's really cool to have like those themes that go through um the game. And like musically, you have like the sense of confusion, the dramatic like suspense when Sephiroth, you know, finds out his whole origin story and goes berserk in Nibelheim. Um, that's actually why Anxiety is one of my favorite tracks in FF7. Cause mm-hmm. it just reminds me of like, you know, Nibelheim. And in in the demo, you've played the demo through, right? Yes. Yeah, it was it was so lovely, and the kids are pretending to be Sephiroth, and they're like, it looks like the kids are looking at you, like the player. They're like, <laughs> you know what we're doing, right? We're making you fall in love with us, and there's uh. that air of of worry. And like when I listen to anxiety, and of course when I cut the promo, I'm just listening through and thinking of like actual anxiety, like. What's going to go wrong? What's Sephiroth going to find in the library? Um, yeah. And that, well, that was something that I felt like I was channeling through that whole album. It's like this idea mm-hmm. of, yeah, like anxiety, of uncertainty, of like confusion. Cause again, without spoilers, but like the whole unreliability of mm. like what is really going on. And, you know, can you even trust, like, who can you trust in this game? Um, Right. Just all of that. Because <laughs> you can't even but trust so, Cloud, and that's who you play as. Yeah, it's like you don't really know what's yeah, what's what. Um, but also in Dear to the Heart, I feel like even though I say it's an album about hope and joy mm-hmm. and warmth and all of that, and it is, um, but every time I would like throw in some kind of element that would reference that like say like an Aerith theme or something it would always be at least in my mind this twinge of like sadness right and, right like, you know because it's like well because you know what's gonna happen right um and so even in like the happy album it's actually also mm-hmm. tragic at least that's Sure. I was thinking of it, Um, which maybe makes it kind of appropriate also to end with Hollow because, like, in retrospect, when I was looking at that one, I'm like, are people gonna be mad that Hollow is like not a happy or like Mm. (laughs) major key? Like, the album is almost all in a major key except for Hollow. Oh, sure. Um, But Hollow was on there because, like, really the album was about songs that come from the heart or like have a Mm. strong like connection which hollow obviously is it's like deep from your the song is like deep from emotion and Mm. caring about someone so like that's where i was thinking when i put it on this album but of course it is like kind of a tragic (laughs) right and i mean Aerith is on that side of the artwork itself like and she is such a like tragic character even in remake so far um mm-hmm. which i'll get to i'll get to my questions about that <laughs> but um no i think it's it's neat that you know so much music on the radio and contemporary is is very um i guess surface level on themes about you know just love or or even you know something like loss or missing people but yeah when i hear dear to the heart it has like such a very specific connection to ff7 Especially because I also love the characterizations of, you know, um, Barrett has, you know, like a daughter to think about. Cloud and Tifa, you know, go way back and there's much more emotional beats in the remake. Um, so oh, I like, yeah. I love the way they fleshed out all the character relationships. Like, it's, it's mm. so good. It really, yeah. <laughs> Even um, Words Drowned It, it makes by, it hurt so much more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Words Drowned by Fireworks is another one that's like... Um, 
quite an emotional beat of a of a track and you only hear it in like one distinct portion of of the game and you're going to hear it in rebirth for the first time if people haven't played the original um mm-hmm. and i actually was looking up like the set list cuz i wanted to remember exactly where it happens and i saw a very impassioned write up about it how it's actually even sadder a song than Aerith's theme, um, which is very interesting. you notice I've never covered Aerith's theme. Mm. I have done Flowers Blooming in the Church, which would have been great for this album had I not already done it for a previous album. Sure. But, um, like, I actually thought about redoing it, like a different Mm. version, because I just thought it would be perfect for this one. Um, But, yeah, there's something about, like, Aerith, oh, and by the way, I just replayed disc one of the original. I was like, going to ask I, you. How. I just finished it last night, so this is oh, fresh in my perfect. memory. Um, but yeah, there's something about, and maybe this is also because I didn't play Final Fantasy VII when it came out. It was many years later, and sure. of course I knew what was going to happen there. Yeah, um, So I it didn't spoiled. hit the same way. <laughs> yeah, and so I'd heard the track before out of context. But I don't mm-hmm. know, there's something about like, I don't want to say that it's heavy-handed. Like, I would never say that. Mm-hmm. But maybe I think it's just that I prefer understated tracks. Sure. Like, I like tracks that are more introspective in their emotion. Like, like it's underneath the surface, you know? Right, right. Um, and that's why I really like Words Drowned by Fireworks or um, Flowers Blooming in the Church. Or maybe yeah. it's because I really like songs that are kind of like in three. Like It could also know. be. <laughs> I, I have a thing for waltzes and stuff. Um, so maybe I, I like that too. But yeah, because Words Down by Fireworks is so tragic to me because it's like love and hope and this really tender moment that comes mm. right before tragedy. Right. And, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That, yeah. That's kind of my vibe though. No, I like it's that. My jam. <laughs> you know what? What's really funny to me is uh, the my favorite version of Aerith now is um, in Final Fantasy VII Remake when you're hanging out in the um, I'm forgetting the name of the area, the district, and Aerith like has her dress reveal depending on like how well you did some portion oh, yeah. of the game before, and they have this very like 1980s like twin guitar <laughs> like happy version of that track. And it's almost jarring if you know how the original game yeah. goes with that character to where you're just <laughs> like, oh, well, I guess every song can be happy. Um, but yeah, I do like that, um, how, you, how you put it, that understated, you know, introspective emotion where you, you like listen to the song and then you just kind of slowly feel way more complex emotions Yeah, it's like it. words unsaid, you know, like it's just... Yeah. It's underneath. I don't know. So but now I wanna just <laughs> this is the spoileriest spoiler question. <laughs> Do you have any specific theories for Final Fantasy Rebirth? Oh god. <laughs> um that you'd like to share in this very spoilery portion. Uh folks skip ahead of you. Um we're recording this like two weeks before the game comes out. But do you have any thoughts and do you think that the same fate Aerith had in the original game will happen in this one. Oh gosh. I, I feel like well, okay, so I have <laughs> mm. deep dived a tiny amount on theory videos, but not much so much lately because at a certain point I was like, okay, I'm not gonna watch anymore. Sure. Because um I did a lot of that for Tears of the Kingdom, and then that kind of like actually hurt the experience for me. Sure. Because I had all these ideas of what I thought was gonna happen and then right. that didn't happen. And it's like I'd rather not. Plus, I'm kind of I think compared to other people, I tend to not be as good at guessing what's going to happen. Oh, sure. Like I don't pick up on all those things, That's and so I'm still thing. surprised. Yeah. It is, but it makes me feel a little slow sometimes. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't get that. But um, but yeah, maybe it's better. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know, because I feel like maybe other people have already figured this out better than I have, but like everything that's going on with Zach and then multiple timelines or whatever right. they're doing there. Who knows? I did have this thought the other day, like, oh my gosh, what if, you know, what if the big shock is that Zach pushes Aerith out of the way uh, at the Forgotten Capital and then he dies? Like, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if that could actually You're not sold happen. On that. <laughs> 
Well, I like it, but yeah, I don't know because I don't mm. really know what they're doing with Zach. Like he's in another place. Right. Like I don't really understand how they're tying these two together at all yet. Right, um, right. So yeah, I really have no idea. Like, and you played Crisis I, Core. Um, yeah. So th- I have not played Crisis Core yet. I briefly read it, but my theory was basically what you said, except I think it'll be some aspect of the gang. You know, Cloud pushes her out of the way from her untimely, and that will leave the internet completely confused and blah blah blah, and it'll put everything in disarray. And then in the third, whatever re reimagine re really wish that they made it two discs, um, they'll <laughs> they'll show that that was actually the wrong move, uh, and she was always meant to uh, perish, and that'll make it even more of an emotional blow when the player accepts that that is the right thing to do or something. Anyway. <laughs> well, I remember when Remake came out and people were speculating, like, is she going to die? What's going to happen? In that and one. they were saying, like, there's no way that they're not going to, like, give us her death scene in HD Remade. Like, right. they're going to want to give us that, you know, that emotional payoff somehow. But maybe it'll, I don't know, maybe it'll be different. Right, right. But I swear if they kill Tifa instead or some BS like that. But see, that's, that's what I, that's what simultaneously would enrage yeah. me and intrigue me because it would be different. So The other thing to consider is that based on precedent, mm-hmm. the ending credits music is going to be No Promises to Keep, which right. is a kind of happy song, or at least it has like a happier vibe, which mm. is strange. You know, like, how is that going to hit? Then again, like, and, and this is kind of a peeve of mine, how a lot of modern Final Fantasies now have to have a pop, like a happy pop song, like, at the end, even if it doesn't fit mm-hmm. with the vibe of what is going on, like, at all. <laughs> but it's, I, it's hope, not, I hope that's not <laughs> the situation. I've seen um, games that can, or like even movies and things where they'll end with something happy and you're like, how can it be happy? Everything is horrible. Like Empire Strikes Back, um, you know, Luke loses a hand, and the other main characters literally stolen away. They're still at war. They're on the run, and then you get. It's like well, very okay. odd. Yeah. Well, <laughs> different can of worms. I never thought of it that way. But yeah. I hadn't either, but I remember my friend when we were like eight brought it up, and it never left me that. But at least that's the credits. It's not true. like in the game. Because like Final Fantasy 13 is a really bad offender with this. And 13 mm. 2 also does it, although it's less bad because then the song ends and then tragedy happens. Right. Um, but also the end of Crisis Core, a similar thing happens. Like it's a sad ending, yet we got a happy pop song. Right. <laughs> uh, Maybe there's you know, something to that. I will say that. <laughs> that I used to be like a Cloud and Aerith stan. Especially uh, like with remake, but then I played Crisis Core and I no longer am. I like, see, because yeah, like once you play Crisis Core, you realize it's really Zach and Aerith that are meant to be meant to be together. Well, together. I always liked Cloud and Tifa, and I think remake really and reinforces like that kind of support, and it's it's something I really liked yeah. in that game that the cat the friends are actually very friendly and really supportive people even though Cloud is kind of really mean and cold, <laughs> you know, for a while, which it, they explain why, of course. I think maybe I'm just like, liked the Aerith ship or whatever, just because I really like Aerith. <laughs> like That's she's, fair. For some reason, I just always really liked her. Although I, I love Tifa now. I didn't used to until Remake, mm. but of course I love what they did with her in Remake. So now it's like, well, they're all great. Yeah, I mean, they, they're making know. them so lovable that you really yeah. don't want anyone to get I hurt. Don't. <laughs> I know. I don't. But at the same time, I don't know. I do like when games take a risk mm. sometimes because there have been games I've played where, you know, they take the risk and then at the end we're like, oh, actually, they're not dead. Like, or, you know, it just kind of tidies it up at the end. And I don't know. Sometimes I like that. Sometimes I don't. I don't know. I really have yeah. no idea what they're doing with Rebirth. And I, I we'll just, find out very soon. We'll I'm see. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's driving me nuts thinking about it. I'm sure. so excited for it. But you know, Likewise. Yeah. And uh, 
in the world's worst segue ever, I do want to get to uh, one guest question real quick here, uh, since we're getting close to time, of course. So uh, this is your cue now to come back if you didn't want to be massively spoiled about <laughs> Final Fantasy VII or its uh, related properties. <laughs> um, question from Lucas G is, what's something you'd love to do like related to the community? Um, you know, video game music or other musicians, I suppose you can interpret that question however you'd like. Well, I do love collaborating. And I was mm. just thinking like, oh, I should mention my collaborators. <laughs> yes. Album. Oh my gosh. Um, because there are, you know, there are seven artists on this album. And I did not mm. realize that until after the right. <laughs> promotional stuff. I was like, oh, I could have. I could have gone with that too. Seven oh, tracks. Oh, yeah. Seven, that's very seven, and then seven musicians. Because um, wow. I have six collaborators on here, which was not intentional, but it's funny. Um, you know, on harp, uh, Samantha Ballard, Rahul mm-hmm. Fonamali on um, percussion, and then also drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Israfel Cello, who I collaborate with all the time, of course. Yes. Um, Diana Dunn on oboe and English horn, and Luke. AKA Instrument Maniac. That's right. <laughs> um, and then also, of course, Kristen Nagus, who was mm-hmm. a very frequent collaborator of mine in the early days of my channel. And we did Words Drowned by Fireworks originally. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, of course, I had to ask her back for this one because, um, yeah, it's so nice to get to redo tracks that yeah. were recorded, you know, poorly <laughs> because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, so yeah, it, it it really having them all on this as always. My collaborators always make the album, um, and really I feel like yeah, working with other musicians is the biggest community thing mm-hmm. that I do. I do have a Discord. We have a lot of fun on there. I really like that. Um, but yeah, like working with other musicians, especially other musicians who are like into video games, because like I mentioned earlier, like I didn't have. Mm-hmm friends who were into video games before like musician friends um and now it's just so nice to have that part of the community mm-hmm. to just nerd out about all this stuff like we're doing yeah and there's um, instruments of course on here that you're not you know uh that you wouldn't say you play um so everyone who's on this is basically covering anything that's not you know yeah something you'd arrange or of course violin viola yeah because so, yeah, and for this album, too, when I was trying to decide, like, I could have collaborators on every track, you know, mm-hmm. but I could only ask people for, you know, so much. But it's like, it would always improve the track. But I tried to limit it to ones where, like, if I did it on my own, like, I don't know, like, it would have the biggest payoff bringing in someone right. else, you know? Um, yeah, because I think especially, like, Forested Temple was one that I considered doing myself. And I could have, like, I could have covered all the parts, but that one especially, I thought, no, this one really needs woodwinds. Like, sure. it's just part of the feel of that track. And, you know, it made such a difference to have to have mm-hmm. them on for that. And there's still, like, um, tracks that, you know, you covered by yourself that I think, if anything, folks who have listened to you before are, you know, going to be super happy with. And you covered, I think, what I'd say is my favorite Final Fantasy VII song or happiest one on our way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's still yeah so good. I don't know why. It's just really, it, it feels like a it's sentimental so song. And I think that's <laughs> it where it plays. like home. Which is yeah. what it is. Yeah, it's Eretz, um, you know, it plays around her home. And, um, uh, not her home. That's um, Flowers Blooming in the Church, actually. Um, the one with her plays, mom's house? Yeah. Am I mixing this On up? our way, first plays in Calm. Ah, and then, but right. then, um, because of course, as I was replaying this game, <laughs> no, like that's paying fine. attention to all the spots, because a lot of the tracks are reused, and I was curious, like, where else they appear. Um, but it does appear in a lot of other little towns and just that's kind right. of things like that. Um, because now I'm looking for ideas for videos, so I'm trying to think, well, what are the images uh, you, sure. you know think of with this track? And yeah, I don't know, it just always feels like this kind of cozy cottage like, coming home, <laughs> even though it's on our way, which is the opposite of coming right, home, and it, but I don't know. It's funny how that works out. But no, yeah, that's it's fantastic to see um, collaborators, and especially those who also tend to play in you know, the video game scene or um, familiar with the material working together. So um, 
the last question, of course, I have to ask anyone who drops an album here is, do you have ideas for the next? <laughs> I always have ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That's very reasonable. Um, yeah, the question is which ones are actually going to be finished and when. Mm-hmm. And this is also why it tends to take me a long time to finish things. Because, like, I don't know. Like, I, I've been wanting to do, like, a Skyward Sword album. Right, and I've been right. wanting to do a Sailor Moon album. And I've, I've been wanting to do, like, all these other ideas that I have. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. After this one, I am going to take a bit of a break just Please because do. I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, this is such yeah. a... I mean, I will be doing videos for, like, all the tracks. Mm. But that will be really fun. But I, but I might take a bit of a break before deciding what the next big one is going to Absolutely. Gonna be. It's been really cool to dive into both of these albums, Voices in the Dark and Dear to the Heart. And, uh, of course, talking just about like the whole process that you have kind of grown into and keep evolving. Where can people find yourself and, of course, both of these albums. So they should be on all the major stores, not Bandcamp, but like Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, all of that. I do have like a website landing page um, just because like since there's two albums, that makes it a little trickier with the links. Um, but that has all the info on there where people can find everything. And that'll be linked in the description. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anywhere that you're listening to this podcast, yeah. be able to check that out. Um, yeah, of course, I have YouTube. They're all going to be like on there eventually as well. But um, but yeah, just all the all the stores you would expect. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast, sharing some of the exciting details of how you've made this humongous album. And of course, chatting all things Final Fantasy and music. Of course, there's, oh, well. there's a, this is the first episode I actually think and maybe one of the only ones we'll ever have where I need to do a spoiler tag, but (laughs) it's totally worth it. Well, always happy to nerd out over music and Final Fantasy. Of course, of course. And thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Game Groove's Uncovered Podcast. Uh, We'll see you next time. Bye.